0: Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, we are glad you're here again this morning and and reading those wonderful comments that uh, are just a handful of many, many more that could be up there uh, from from a, a, a churchwide event campaign we did last year called transformed and doing something similar this year with a a campaign called daring faith and i hope i hope you're you're getting your journal today we've already sold a few hundred of them that you would be able to you'll be able to use those starting on january 31st daily for daily readings and place to write some comments And, and let me again just say We began two weeks from now. Someone has asked me, when do I start reading? January 31st. Uh, Also, our Daring Faith groups, we have several dozen of those open groups plus many life groups that are ongoing, small groups in our church. Also, we'll be doing that. But there there are many of those, and there may even still be some of you who still want to sign up to be a, a, a leader of one of those groups, be a host. And there's still certainly... Uh, you can still do that, but there's a lot of information about that on our website, on the Find It page, if you're interested in that, um, but, but do be getting kind of your stuff ready. Uh, we sold about 1,200 journals last year and anticipating something similar to that again, and so I hope you'll be getting prepared. We're doing this simply because we believe it's a powerful tool God uses to help us fulfill our mission to lead everyday people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. In other words, God raised up the church. God raises up Christians to help us become more and more like Jesus. That's the picture, if you will. That's the goal, is, is to become more and more like Jesus because that's how God created us to live. It, 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 you know, He He created us and He had a plan for how we would live our lives, and Jesus is the plan. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're convinced that life works best when you and I live out that plan. That's, that's a conviction of ours. And you told us last year that God, for those of you who are with us, that God really used Transform to help you in your journey with Christ to grow and have a great experience. And we look forward to, to that again, for you to have those kind of experiences. Uh, there was another interesting experience this this past week in our, our country, uh, the, the huge $1.6 billion Powerball lottery. And uh, some folks asked me, well, if, if, someone, if someone in our church won and they wanted to give a gift to the church, would we accept it? And, you, and I said, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, here's the thing, though. I know some people play, play the lottery for fun. It doesn't impact their income. It doesn't impact, it's not something they have to do. It's just a, an, an enjoyable thing, and that's great. But for some people, their, their hope is winning, that, that's where they, they, they hope to survive, to get by, that if they could just win, all their money problems would go away, all their other problems would go away, their life would be, they would have arrived. But all the studies show us otherwise. One study showed that there is a 70% chance that if you win, you will burn through your winnings within five years and the bankruptcy rate for winners you would think people who won millions or tens or hundreds of million dollars would be less than most of us is somewhere between double and quadruple the norm of the population many winners report this is what they say that who've been surveyed about this after the fact that their life is worse after winning. Now, that might sound counterintuitive to most of us who think, well, you've got all that money, how could it possibly be worse? But in addition to struggling with all kinds of aspects of it, they say they're friends who who try to exploit you. They're family members who constantly bug you, uh, uh, and, and they say they discover family members they never knew they had, you know? And and others won't just stop talking about the money. There's no going on with their life. And and while many of us might think, man, I'd love to have the opportunity to prove that wrong or to work that out myself, lottery winners tell us that that rather than a life that has gotten easier, their life is filled with more stress after they win. And that continues on for some time. And, Many of those winners say they wish they had never won. And for some of us, that's like, oh man, well, that's them, that's not me. And, and whether or not you think that would be your problem, let me just tell you, there's a bigger issue here in, in, in my mind, and that is that the lottery and or getting the right job or finally getting in the right neighborhood or having the right husband or wife, or having the perfect kids, whatever whatever it may be, that there's always something outside of us that seduces us into believing that if I just had more or I had enough, all my problems would go away. My life would be trouble-free. I would make it through it. And yet the claim of the Christian faith is only faith in Jesus Christ can do that. And at the same time, the Christian faith doesn't make the claim that life will be easier. Some of you may have heard that, or you think, well, if I become a Christian, then all my problems go away, or everything gets easy. I want to tell you, that's not true. I do believe, and it's my experience, that life gets better. But that's not the same as easier. At least for those who are serious about following Jesus. In Matthew 9, it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. And if you were with us last week, you know that that really is kind of the most basic definition of a disciple, one who follows another. And and following implies that the one I'm following knows more about the journey ahead than I do. They know where we're going. They know how we will get there. And so following them, in this case, following Jesus, means I have to watch. I have to observe. I have to stay close to him if I'm going to get where he's leading me. And the implication here is that Jesus really does know the best place to lead us for life. That He really can, in fact, lead us there. The scripture says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And yet, I have to to admit, for all of us, that that is a faith statement. That is a faith statement, a faith decision on the part of each one of us who may choose to do that. We believe it is a better life, because in, in Christ, I've received forgiveness for my past, I've received a purpose in my present, and I've received a home in heaven for my future. But becoming a Christian is not magic. Like when I do it, all of a sudden, you know, it's that fairy godmother poof and, and, and touches you with the wand and, and your clothes are magically transformed and all of your relationships are suddenly better and you you get all the best jobs and, and, and you have the perfect house and your kids are above average and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I wish I could remember how Garrison Keillor said about the... the, the, the the, the kids in Lake Wobegon, because that's kind of the picture, if you're, if you're at all familiar with that. But the, the, the thing is, I, I, I don't magically gain all the, the blessings or benefits of following Jesus just because I say a prayer. It starts the process. It begins me moving. But see, I'm not a follower if I'm not Following. I can say I'm a follower. I can make the claim and point back to a time when I made a decision, but if if, since that decision I've done nothing to follow, then it's no wonder, because I've lost sight of Jesus, that I don't don't experience all he can do. I'm following because without Jesus, I believe scripture says that we are outside God's plan. Not sure where we're headed or how we'll get there. It it really is all about Jesus. You can't just pull Jesus out of the picture and somehow you have the Christian faith of a feel good, do good kind of religion. And this following thing is not an occasional glance. It's not every five or six days I'm going to look up and see where Jesus is and make sure I'm doing okay because Jesus is constantly moving. And if if I wait for that, he will get out of my sight if I'm not careful. I have to stay on the journey with him. I have to continue watching him. It's a process. It's a journey. And here at Gateway, our, our, our mission is to help lead you on that journey. And part of that journey is as we lead you, you learn more and more then how you can lead others. See, it's not all about we've got the answers, you come and just come feed at the trough and that's all it is to it. It's a lifestyle where God is using you and me to, trans- to be instruments of transformation for others. And-, and if I'm not doing that, then I'm really not following Jesus. We are here to, to be disciples who make disciples. And if you point to someone else, if you point at me and say, that's your job, pastor. Well, it is my job as a follower of Jesus Christ, not as a pastor, but as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I would tell you, it's yours as well. It's the calling of every single one of us. Because I'm not a follower if I'm not following. And that means I do what my leader does. I walk where he walks. I try to do what he does. I try to follow his thoughts and ideas. And that means I can't pick and choose. I can't do it when it's convenient. I can't do it when it's easy. They're all important. They're all necessary. And we've, we've come up with some phrases or some words that kind of try to make it easier for us to keep it in mind. We talk about, and, and, and Brandon mentioned these, commit to following Jesus. Connect with one another because we don't do this journey by ourselves. Serve my church within the walls and my world beyond the walls and share the good news. Commit, connect, serve, share. I know Brandon did it, but I'm gonna ask you too. Would you just repeat those with me? Commit, connect, serve, share share why is that why why is it helpful to remember that because this coming week when it it hits you that you want to try to be following jesus these give you not only a description of what that looks like but also a prescription for what to do to commit to connect to serve to share Last week we looked at commit and connect and this morning we'll, we'll wrap this up with serve and share. And, and so sir, we say, we, we, we stretch it out, we say serving my church and my world which sounds like doing good deeds to, to make God happy. And, and, and there's no question that those are good things to do. And, and when we do them for the right reasons God is happy. But it's not about placating God. It's not about doing the right things for the wrong reasons. And that's a real challenge for every one of us. I mean, I include myself in that. It's very easy to, tr- to, to sometimes know what to do, even if I'm doing it for the wrong reason. I can help someone because I want to get on their good side. I can give to something so that I get something in return. It's very easy. The problem with that is, is that Jesus when he looks at us, he's not looking as much at what we do as why we do it. And, and if we're doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, it doesn't, it doesn't wash with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is interested in a relationship. If, if a friend of yours or your spouse or somebody like, or your child did the right thing for all the wrong reasons, you might be glad something good happened, but you know ultimately You gotta get the heart right to consistently get the actions right. And and so serving is about so much more because it's a concrete way that that we live out this great commandment to love our neighbor. See, it's not just about doing good to get brownie points. It's about love. Loving as God first loved us. And it's also, whether you know it or not, it's also one of the primary ways that God grows us Spiritually. And, and so l- let me just say this as, as as plainly as I can. You and I will not grow spiritually very much or become very much like Jesus unless serving and the heart for serving is a basic part of our lives. A basic part. And that matters because who are we following? Jesus. And it was fundamental to who Jesus was. Jesus said, For even the Son of Man, which was a title he used talking about himself, Son of Man came not to be served. I mean, that's what you would expect. The king of the universe, come serve me, come take care of me, not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. In fact, He sacrificed incredibly for our sake, giving up all these divine privileges for us. The Bible says in Philippians chapter two, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Attitude, thoughts, how we're focused, where we're looking. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So you know what? If, if following Jesus is not convenient, if following Jesus sometimes creates a little friction with a family member or a friend or your boss or a coworker, if following Jesus sometimes is a struggle, Remember, it's not about what's convenient for me. I mean, we really need to hear this. A lot of people want to paint Christianity as this, always it's about feel good when, in fact, it's about being the person God wants us to be, to look at how Jesus lived. And what he did was not always easy or convenient or made everybody happy. And if we give in to these other thoughts, then simply, we're not following Jesus. We're not. We're going another way. We're not going his way. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this passage, says that we are to have the same attitude as Jesus, sacrificing for the sake of others, looking beyond ourselves, and it can be hard. And yes, people will take advantage of you when you try to do the right thing and help somebody else. And, and yes, you will not always be appreciated. And some, In fact, some people will attack you for doing what God wants you to do. And you may be thinking, then why do I want to do this? What's in it for me? Maybe that, in fact, is the point. That's the wrong question. Because maybe you wouldn't want to do this. But you and I, who follow Jesus, are called to sacrifice for the sake of others, to love our neighbor, to accept them for who they are, and work for their good. Why? Because Jesus did. And we are his followers. Walking where he walked the way he walked. And So quite frankly, serving is evidence that we are following Jesus and, and trying to live by faith, by trusting, because it's not obvious that everything's gonna work out just great to do what Jesus did. It sure didn't look that way for Jesus. He ended up on the cross. Nobody can say that the cross is the kind of outcome we would normally think of that would be a good thing being horribly, cruelly, whipped, beaten, and hung. But the Bible says, faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It is dead and useless. To live out what Jesus calls us to do, to follow him because his way of life is actually the way to life, to eternal life. Jesus said, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And, and, and that's what we happen, What happens when we, we live Jesus' way. Better life, not easier life. But it's a challenge to do because it goes against the natural sinful nature that is in each one of us to put ourselves first, to look at for number one, to take care of myself, to say I deserve this. And so it's going against this nature in us and making decisions even when we don't feel like it. It's in those moments that God then can really transform you and me. I, I, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I, I remember thinking before I, I committed my life to Christ that there were some, th- some things about the Christian life that just didn't look very appealing to me didn't look like something i wanted to do. Didn't look like they were very beneficial to me, at least looking in from the outside. And I mean, in, in, in my day, it, it seemed like the talk was, well, you're going to you're going to if you if you commit your life to Christ, you're probably going to go be a missionary to Africa, you know? Like that's some terrible thing. I've been to Africa as a missionary. It's actually great. It's pretty cool. Great people. Fantastic. And in fact, Even as we're missionaries to them, they're missionaries. They're teaching us as much or more about Jesus. Now, that's another story. But there were some changes in my life in those first months and and years or so as I followed Christ, but they didn't seem like big changes. They didn't seem like a a, a big deal as I continued working as an engineer here in Houston. But at some point in there, a couple of years after that commitment, I, I, I felt... Like God was calling me to be a pastor, and it was a turning point for me. Not not because I was being called to be a pastor, because quite honestly, that's something that we can't all relate to. I mean, we don't want you all to be pastors. Who, who would, you know, who would stock the grocery shelves? Who, who would take care of us when we're sick? Who would teach the children? You know, you can go on and on and on. It's not that all of us should be pastors doing this as a vocation, but but it was for me one of the first times I sensed that God was calling me to take a next step that radically altered my comfort zone, that was apart from what I I believe I wanted to do, that was pushing me into areas of life that that really didn't interest me all that much, at least from the outside. And, And you don't have to be called to be a pastor to experience that. Eventually, I I decided that I would trust God, that he knew what he was doing, that he was better at this than me, that he had a plan, and he wanted me to to follow him, no matter what it cost me. And and I did. And I want to tell you, that that was such a cool experience to trust and walk and discover then on the other side, God actually, God actually came through. Not, not, not that he fulfilled what had been my desires beforehand, but he showed me new desires. He created new desires in my heart that were more fulfilling and more significant. And was it easy? No. I, I mean, I had to, from outward appearances, I did some things that seemed like, duh, that's kind of dumb. But it was so rewarding to sense that I was really I was walking where Jesus wanted me to walk. I was doing what he was calling me to do. And as I grew and trusted Christ more, I discovered that some of the things that had concerned me about going into ministry went away. I mean, I can tell you that today, although it happened much sooner than 30 years, but I can tell you that today, There were things that were important to me before I felt a calling to ministry that don't matter to me at all anymore. God changed my heart. He changed the desires of my life. He increasingly made His desires my desires. Now, I'm I'm not there yet. I just, I mean, I, I got a ways to go. But. I have seen him work and it's amazing to experience that. And as we take those steps it it becomes easier then to trust him with the next steps. But it's always that that next step that we have to take. And, And it's different for every one of us. Every single one of us. What is it though that God is calling you to do to take a next step that will maybe push you out of your comfort zone? maybe be uncomfortable with some family or your boss or with some co-workers or some neighbors, but that God is calling us to do because the more we submit ourselves to him, the more he makes his desires our desires. So we, we really are changed. And for that, I'm grateful. I really am. And, and here's the thing, serving as a part of this, should be something, it shouldn't be just something, oh, I do it at the church. Serving should be something we do each day, at home, at work, in our neighborhoods, at school, wherever we are. It, it, it's not really a church thing. It's a part of what it means to follow Jesus. And, and Parents, it means you serve in order to teach your children. It, it's not just that that you think this is a good idea for them to know, it is that they learn from us. You know? And what we do says more than what we say. And if your goal is to help your child become more and more like Jesus, which I think is the greatest goal any parent could have for their child, then you have to model it for them. They need to remember that mom or dad served and I went with them. And I saw them and I got to experience that. Yet we'd be making a big mistake if we, if we didn't offer you concrete ways to do that as a place to put that into practice, a way to get encouragement from others as well in this mindset and this lifestyle. So we invite you to do it with other Christ followers here within the church as a way to explore serving. And God can, can use our serving to, to encourage others as as we tell them our experiences. And so it's kind of like a training academy for how we're to live all the time, everywhere, not just on Sunday mornings or when it's convenient. And let me tell you, every Sunday, we offer hundreds of opportunities for you to serve your church while you're already here through our hospitality ministries, through our ministries to our children and our students. And right now, right now, we could use 50 more volunteers just with our children, 50. Now that's about four or 5% of the total number of people who will be here today, adults. But it's significant. Doesn't mean you have to do it every week. Doesn't even mean you have to always do it with children. There are things that have to be done with our kids or for the kids. But there are those opportunities, and there are lots of ways to serve. And I've, I've had folks come up to me and thank me that they never thought it would matter, that it would never make a difference, and yet they did it. I remember Mark coming up to me one time, and, and uh, we did, in our journey group, we all served. And, and he was serving the children, saying it wasn't something, he didn't have kids, it wasn't something that, as far as I could tell, he was particularly interested in, and yet he He came back to me later and he said, man, that was the greatest experience I ever had. And and he's been doing it ever since now for a few years. How would he have discovered that without taking a step? Because it was against his nature to do it. It was not something he was looking to do. It was not something he was excited about doing. And yet, in being obedient, God blessed him. We forget how God works like that. Likewise, we offer opportunities for you to serve our world through our missions and outreach area. We just had a group come back from Mexico. We have a group now that's preparing to go to Haiti. We have uh, opportunities to feed the homeless downtown as well as through the mercy tree right here in Clear Lake uh, uh, to mentor students at Generation One and so much more. Serving also isn't an either or. Serve in my church or serve out beyond my church. It's both. And to start serving, you can go out to our lobby, to the ministry booth after this service and, and talk to someone. But the easiest thing to do is on your phone, go to our webpage, click on the find it thing at the top and it'll take you on that page. It'll show you a, a servanthood application that you can fill out and they, there are peop- people who follow up with you, want to help you find the right way to do that. You can do it, don't, don't do it while I'm talking. But you can do it in just a few minutes. Um, and, and if you're not sure where to t- serve, not only can they help you, but we offer what's called a spiritual gift inventory. And, that, and you can take it on there that helps see how God wired you or has gifted you to serve as a tool that, that you can do. And, and the key thing in, in this, in all of this, is just taking the next step. What is God calling you to take the next step for? Because there are going to be lots of reasons not to. And lots of things in your life that will make it complicated. But I guarantee you, God is calling every follower of Christ to serve. Every follower of Christ. Period. We also believe, as we stated earlier, that a fully devoted follower of Christ shares the good news of Jesus Christ with those around them. And, and I know many of you did it because our Christmas Eve services, our attendance was up over 500 from last year. And that's, that's, that's not because our advertising was better, it's because of you. I mean, you did that. Sharing the good news, though, is not something that's, that's reserved for the spiritual elite or for the pastor or for someone who's particularly gifted in that area. Sharing the good news is for all of Christ's followers because it is a fundamental part of of who Jesus is and why he came. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Seek and save. It is part of the mission of every follower of Christ because it was what Christ did. It was his mission too. And we're following him. That's what we do. That's what followers of Christ do. We follow. And, and, and in general, we're not talking so much about tasks here. It's just a way of looking at life, of looking for openings and opportunities, reaching out to those disconnected from God to share God's good news, which is God's plan for transforming God's world. It's how He works how he has chosen to work. Some people will say, well, plan A, and what's plan B? There there is no plan B. He chooses to use us. I don't even fully understand that. But that's the way he works. But it's also a way God grows us more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus. Because we are doing what Jesus did. To seek and save those who are lost. That was Jesus said. That's why I came. And as we do that, we are following Jesus. And remember, I'm not a follower if I'm not following. Sharing the good news is a good way for me to connect directly to the heart of God. And a simple way to remember it. I've already said it, and maybe you heard it. But but this just kind of helps me. The good. The good news is that. Through Jesus, God offers us forgiveness for my past, a purpose in my present, and a new home in heaven for my future. Past, present, future. Past, forgiveness. Present, purposes. Future, home. And, and, and I, I need tools like that to remember that stuff and to remind me what I have received. And when we do it, we, we discover such good news that we want to tell others. It's not a job. It grows out of it. It's one of the reasons I've always liked this guy named D.T. Niles, who lived over 100 years ago. He wrote this phrase, and it just stuck with me. You've heard me say it before. You'll hear me say it again because I just love it. He said evangelism, which is sharing the good news. Evangelism is one beggar helping another beggar find food. It's not like I've got my act together. It's not I'm the best Christian in the world. No, I'm still a beggar. I'm still in need of grace. I'm still struggling. I'm not coming to the person next to me like I have all the answers. I'm just saying I have found something that I would like to share with you that is making a difference in my life. It's through this good news, the gospel, then that the Holy Spirit can work in them when we give them the opportunity. Romans says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. And, and the motivation here ultimately is not to gain notches in my belt. Look, I helped three people come to faith this last week. Boom, boom, boom. I, got, I mean, that's, that's the way some people kind of talk about it. No, the motivation, quite simply, is love. Of sharing the good news because love has been God's motivation toward you and me. I don't deserve what he's given me, but by his grace through his love I have received. And that's then the reason I wanna share this with others. First John says, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. And I want to tell you, when we're living as fully devoted followers of Christ, and we're striving for that when commit, connect, and serve are happening in our lives, we will automatically find opportunities to share. Because it means we're going to be loving our neighbors, and there are going to be people who are grateful for that, who want to know why we do it. There are going to be people wondering, why in the world are you doing that? You're not gaining anything from it. In fact, it's costing you. Why would you do that and, and whether they're their classmates or their coworkers or their family members, for many people, experiencing this unconditional love of God is so different, so radical from what they have known, what they've grown up with, what they experience day in and day out, that they want to try to understand why you are doing what you are doing. That's why Peter said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have, to be ready to tell your story. At the same time, the love of Christ drives us to seek the best good for others. And so we pray for those openings to occur. We pray that we would have an opportunity to tell our story to our boss or to a a family member or something like that. It may not happen suddenly, and we're certainly not called to make somebody a project, you know? I'm just in it to get you over a hump. I don't really care about you, but I'm just, no, it's about loving them. It's not about making a person a project. It's about loving, enough, loving them enough to care for their, about their eternity, so that when the opportunity presents itself, we're ready to share. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of timidity and fear but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And how does God transform our spirit? If we're feeling fear, if we're feeling timid, he gives us opportunities to trust him. How do we build trust? By taking a step, by doing something we haven't done before, by taking the next step and seeing that God is faithful. That's how every single one of us learns to trust, whether it's trust another person, trust an, an entity, an organization, or trust God. I always like the story about this guy who was praying that God would give him the opportunity to share his faith and, and help someone know about Jesus. But he was kind of a little nervous about it. And one morning he, he got on, as he did everyone, he got on his bus to go to work, and after a couple of stops some big guy got on that he'd never seen before. I mean, this was, he was big, he was burly, he had a big beard, a scraggly kind of beard, he had tattoos and, 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 and looked like somebody right out of a, a motorcycle gang photograph, you know? Now, I, I'm not saying those, those, some of you may look like that. I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just giving a description of somebody who could be kind of intimidating. And so here's this guy, he gets on the bus, and after the bus has traveled for about a minute or so, the guy starts to talk to the people around him. He he says, I need Christ in my life. And and as the guy looks over him, he can even see tears are coming down. And the guy says, I need, is, is there anyone on this bus? Can someone on this bus tell me how to commit my life to Christ? Is there anyone that can do that? And here's the guy, two seats over, who's been praying for this opportunity, and he looks up to God and he says, Lord, is this a sign? (laughs) I suspect God is giving some of you signs for some of the folks around you. And all God wants you to do is take a next step in helping that person on their faith journey. I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. It's not about that. It's about relationship. It's about caring. It's about just being there and sharing. Maybe it's inviting them to church. Maybe it's sharing your own story of what God has done in your life. Maybe it's inviting them to join you in a daring faith group. And and, and maybe there's someone who will never come through the doors of this church, and that doesn't matter. If you have an opportunity to minister to them, To just invite them into your home, maybe instead of to the church. Maybe that's less of a burden or less of a a barrier for them. Or maybe it's just to be a kind and listening ear for now. But the bottom line is that a fully devoted follower of Christ shares the good news of Jesus Christ because that's what Jesus did. And that's what a follower of Jesus understands we have to do too. Followers follow. And the very act of sharing that good news, just like committing, connecting, serving, is a way then that God grows us even more in our faith journey because I am following Jesus. I am intentionally following Jesus. And, and God gives me the opportunity in that to work in me to transform my heart, my desires, my abilities and use me for his glory. If you want to talk with someone about that this morning, our prayer team will be down here in just a second. And if you're new to Gateway, I'd I'd love to meet you. We have some folks who'll be out here, right out this door against the wall out there. And we'd love to say hello and just share with you, talk with you for a minute because we we want to, you're going to be a part of the journey with us. And we want to be a place that you feel like we care and we know you. And so I'll be out there. And, and listen, Gateway folks, if you brought someone, why don't you, you bring them over? Because we're all in this together and it takes each one of us. Or if you met someone who's new this morning, maybe you walk over and say, hey, let me walk you over and I'd like to introduce you. And we'd, we'd, we'd love for you to do that. Because we're all in this together and we're all trying to use the gifts God has given each one of us to the best of our God-given ability to take whatever next step God has given before us so that we can follow Jesus. We can be his disciples who make disciples. Let's pray. God, thank you for each one of us in here and for the journey you've opened to all of us. Help us, Father, to follow Jesus Help us to do it intentionally. Help us to, to think about it. Help us to find opportunities to respond. Help us to trust you more. And Father, help us not get caught up in the, the long haul or trying to figure out what it will mean a year down the road or, or whatever. Father, help us just to be faithful in the next moment. Help us to just take the next step, whatever it is for each one of us, so that we can be faithful, so that we can follow Jesus, so that you can grow us and use us for the sake of your kingdom. We pray this, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go follow Jesus. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.